Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. excited about some turkey this week come on i know y'all excited about eating i met somebody in the parking lot i said y'all looking forward to thanksgiving they said we're looking forward to eating said absolutely i'm so glad you're here my name is michael my wife carmen and i we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors and we're so glad that you chose to be at church today you could have been a thousand other places but you chose to be in the house of god so we honor you for that let's welcome all of our first time guests one more time come on let's go love it love it love it Awesome. Uh, as always, I want to take just a moment, look directly into the camera. I want to welcome our online family. And no matter where you're watching from, who you're watching with, I know it's the holiday season. We have a lot of people on the road. You're watching. Thank you so much for making vibrant part of your Sunday. Can we welcome our online family in? Let's do it. Love it, love it, love it. So glad you're here. Before we jump into the message, I got a few things that I want to let you know about with our holiday schedule coming up. So um, all of these would be posted on our social as well as the website, so you'll see them there. But I want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on. You know, have you ever um, had your kid bring something home from school and, you know, they were supposed to show it to you and then you found out like the day after that you were supposed to have a project the day before, you know what I'm saying? And so we want to make sure that we give you the information so you know what's going on. Everybody say next Sunday. If you like to play football, if you like to do flag football, if you enjoy watching football, uh, we have a tradition around here. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, we play what is called the Turkey Bowl. Uh, it is like your family Turkey Bowl, except for way cooler. And so uh, we're going to have a great time. It's flag football. Nobody's tackling anybody. Uh, but guys, girls, no age limits. Just come and play some flag football next Sunday at 3 o'clock at Irons Junior High off of 242. We have a great time. We don't provide any drinks or anything, so bring your own Gatorade. Bring your own Icy Hot. And uh, oh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, uh, so we're going to have a great time come next Sunday. We just separate onto different teams, and we, we have a wonderful time. So it would be great. Um, and then when we get into Christmas season, there's three weeks in a row where our schedule is a little different. And I want you to know about it. First of all, on December 18th, our, our big Christmas services, our big Christmas services, December 18th at 9.15 and 11 a.m., I got to tell you, it's going to be a packed house. It's going to be wonderful. We have our team is really putting a lot of work as we celebrate Christmas together. Uh, we're going to be a closing out the series called Great Joy, just bringing joy back to Christmas and the season of Christmas. Amen. Bringing joy back and, and excited about all of that. I can't tell you too much about the day because I don't want to give it away, but I can tell you this. There will be live reindeer here. And so true story, live reindeer. We don't do anything small around here at Vibrant Church. So you don't want to miss that. Um, I might ride one. You never know. Uh, I just ride one right up here on the stage. I don't know. I'm, I might be, I don't know what I am. Uh, so, uh, so the 18th, it'll be our Christmas services. It's a great opportunity for you to bring your friends. Uh, you know, the studies say that 83% of people, if they're asked during Christmas or Easter to go to church, if they're non-church going, they will go if their friend asks them. 83% of people. Okay. So what that means is you can ask five and one will say no. 
okay? Four of them are going to come with you, so I expect four friends to come with everybody. All right? Sound good? All right, four friends, bring everybody with you, and uh, we'll have enough seats out that day. It's going to be great. Uh, we have 100 more chairs we can put out, so it's going to be a wonderful, great day. Um, on the 25th, on Christmas morning, um, you know, for us, what we're going to be doing is we will be gathering, uh, just doing it a little bit differently. Uh, we're going to be gathering online, doing an online-only service, uh, online service. Here's what I want you to do on Christmas morning. I want you to do everything that you normally do. I want you to unwrap your gifts. I want you to fix breakfast. I want you to make your coffee, but... At 9 a.m., I want you to gather your family, gather all your family in the living room for worship, okay? Gather your family. We're going to spend a time of worship together, and then we're actually going to read the Christmas story together. And if you have kids, your kids are going to love this. It's going to be a lot of humor involved, and uh, kids making animal sounds and all kinds of fun stuff. And so if you like funny kids and absolute chaos, it'll be great. And so, <laughs> no, uh, so if you're home anything like mine, it'll be great. Uh, but so Christmas morning, 9 a.m., um, we'll be meeting online only, okay? Everybody say Christmas. Everybody say, I got it. Okay, so don't come and be like, Pastor, I didn't hear. Like, sorry, I, I, we won't be here, all right? So, um, and then finally, um, on New Year's Day, I know everybody's gonna be staying up late doing all the fireworks, all the things. What we're gonna be doing is we're gonna combine uh, for one huge mega service at 11 a.m. on New Year's Day. New Year's Day, it is going to be a big day. And I got to tell you, we're going to put out as many chairs as we can, but I guarantee you every one of them will be full, okay? It's going to be a full day, so it would really behoove you to show up early, get your coffee, and get a seat, okay? 11 o'clock, it is going to be a big service, going to be a big day. Um, looking forward to it. And I'm thankful that for all that God is doing right here at Vibrant Church, amen? Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so, we're going to jump into the message today. We're in week three of a series called Overflow. Overflow. And, uh, you know, what is this thing all about? It's that we really, our vision is we're real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. We want to see every person in this house live vibrant life in Jesus. We want to see that for you. But the question we get so many times is, what is that actually? That sounds like a great idea, but what actually is that, Pastor? Well, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. When you live vibrant life in Jesus, there's something, uh, it's something about being closer to Jesus that the characteristics and the traits of Jesus naturally emanate from you. You emulate what you worship. And so when you get closer to Jesus, naturally the character traits of Jesus come out of you. The things that Jesus did naturally come out of you. And so there are some things for you living vibrant life in Jesus that should naturally overflow out of your spirit. It should naturally come out. It's not things that you have to try to do. It's not a checklist of things, but it's, it's symptoms for you to identify things that are coming out of your spirit, right? And so the first week of the series, we talked about worship, we talked about worship. We are a church that believes in passionate worship. Anybody believe in passionate worship around here? We believe in that. I, I believe in worship. That's why we spend so much time in our service. Truly God's favorite part of the service is, our, is worship. It's just when we connect our hearts with his. But then last week we talked about forgiveness because many Christians, they believe in worship and when they get the, a chance to forgive, they go, wait, that's not for me. Well, I, I, you don't know what they did to me, pastor. You don't know what they said about me. I don't have to know that. But what I do know is that God forgave you of all of your sins and lowered your debt level to zero. And so we are expected to do the same to everybody else around us, right? We are expected to forgive because forgiveness is not optional for the believer. It's part of the journey. It is part of the journey. And so we forgive because Jesus first 
forgave us. But today, very intentionally walking into the holidays, I want to help you and challenge you with something today. And I just got to tell you, you're probably not going to be hanging from the light fixtures today. I'm going to be teaching just a little bit, but that's all right. If y'all are here to help me preach, say amen. Amen. Let me set it up like this. Simon Sinek said, uh, he was interviewed and he was, during the interview, he was talking about um, the Navy SEALs and their training process. And he said that only 10% of Navy SEALs make it completely through their training process. And he gives some insights on who actually gets through and, and the characteristics of those people that actually get through. He said, you know, it's not the big, like muscular, you know, they, you can tell they never skip a day in the gym, ripped guys. You know, the guys look like me. Uh, you know, don't laugh at that. That's rude, okay? Don't do that. He said it's not the big ripped guys like that, right? He said it, they look impressive. They look incredibly impressive, but many times they don't have what it takes once they get to training, which was very interesting. Well, then he, moved, he went on. He said, well, you know, it's also not like the tough looking guys. You know, the tough guys that come in there like the sleeve tattoos and they're like, um, you know, they just look like a tough guy, right? They look scary and but when they get into the, you know, they get into the training, they don't have what it takes many times. And he also said it's not, most of the time, it's not the college-educated stars. It's not the people that come in that are the best, the brightest, the, uh, you know, the, the, the people with all the degrees, more, got more degrees than a thermometer, but, you know, just can't do anything with it, right? They, these people come in into the training, and they look like leaders, but then they don't have what it takes, he said something very interesting. He said, the ones who make it through don't necessarily look impressive. They don't look like the best. They don't naturally, right? they would not be the ones that you would pick. But there would be times during the training where they're shivering in fear. I mean, these, these, the ones that make it many times are shivering in fear. But he said, at some point during this grueling, punishing training, when they're exhausted, when they're mentally spent, and and it doesn't look as if they can go on. They dig deep and find a way to help the person next to them. That is a natural quality of a leader that they go, that's something I want. Because they can train strength. They can put them in classes. They can even teach toughness. But they can't teach teamwork. And they can't teach serving. So the people that would naturally serve around them would be the ones that would be selected. Now, it's very interesting to me. We're gonna be in John chapter 13 today, pretty much all day. And, and so this is a chapter that, can, that constantly messes with me. Every time I read it, there's something inside of it that, that is something different in my heart that God points out and, and something that's happening in my life. And so I want you to turn to the book of John chapter 13. Remember, John is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if you're new to understanding the Bible, I just got to tell you, you are in a church that is not going to judge you. It's okay to look in the table of contents. Come on, somebody. You can do that here. All right. You're okay. And so in the book of John chapter 13, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures for you. In fact, I'm going to read this entire encounter and I'm going to go back and give you some context. And we're going to kind of explore this from an expository angle. And so I love this moment of the life of Christ when he has with his disciples disciples and he has with his people he's doing life with. And so all of us know the timing in John 13. Uh, hopefully you know that, that this is a significant time. There are some things that are getting ready to happen, mainly the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus right after this that, that are going to change the world. And so this is the setup for changing the world. This is what it looks like in John chapter 13 and changed all of our lives. Let's read it. Verse one, during the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the father. 
He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. Let's move on. We'll go to verse four. I'm gonna jump down to verse four. He got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, check this out. He put his robe on again, sat down, and, and he asked, the first thing he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You know, so many times God does stuff in your life where we miss the moment. And I feel like many times the Lord is doing things in our life and he puts his robe back on and he says, do you understand what I just did in your life? And we just think, oh, it's another day. Another opportunity, another, another, another deal. Well, these, these, these disciples had just had their feet washed by the savior of the world. And the first thing he does is he sits down and he says, do you understand what just happened? I want you to understand the significance of this moment. I think there's importance as a believer to recognize the significance of the moment that you're in. The significance of the moments that you're walking through. The significance of the moments that you might be in the bottom of the valley, but that moment is significant. You might be on the top of the mountain. Everything is great in your life, but I'm gonna tell you that moment is significant. There is oftentimes where God is trying to speak truth to you in the moment, but you won't listen to him long enough for him to tell you. Do you understand what's happening in the moment? Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord because you are, and you are right because that's what I am. But since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, check this out. Do you understand what's happening in the moment? He says, because I've, I'm your Lord and your teacher, I've washed your feet. What should you do? You ought to wash each other's feet. Everybody say, ouch. The other side say, ouch. I've given you the, an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than the master, nor the messenger more important than the one that sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I, I want you to just lock in on that verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. That is so interesting to me. So interesting to me. Jesus right there immediately is separating the difference between knowing something and doing something. He separates the difference in hearing the word and doing the word. He separates this, this, this consuming of faith, which happens by his word, by hearing his word, this consuming of faith and actually letting the faith emanate out of you and overflow out of you. There's a difference, right? And I gotta tell you, church, that, like that there's a difference in just knowledge and application. There's a difference in knowledge and application. But I'll tell you that your salvation is not attached to the things that you do. I'll tell you that. But I will tell you that biblically we find right here that blessing is attached to obedience. Jesus says, blessing is attached to your obedience. And so he said, it's great to know these things that you are aware of this example that I'm giving you. 
But it's going to lead you down a whole nother path when you start doing these things. It's going to lead you down a path of purpose and fulfillment and blessing. Blessing. How many of y'all want God's blessing on your life? I, I believe all of us do. We want God's blessing. Now, I love this, this portion of scripture. It's so powerful. But there are two things that I think is very interesting about this chapter. The first one is the context of what's happening within his team. There's division going on amongst his team, his disciples. You may know this, but his team was having a little hard time getting along, right? And there's a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of ego, a little bit of competition, a little bit of these guys going, well, I'm better. Jesus just spends more time with me, right? He sent you away and he talked to me yesterday when everybody else was gone. And, you know, he was talking to me and I'm kind of like in a high level ultra mega meeting. And you, know, you don't get to go to this meeting. So like, I'm a little better than you are. You know what I'm saying? There's this shifting and, and positioning of his disciples. Well, eventually, and what happens anytime when you're focused on competition in your life, there's going to be anger and they're going to get upset with each other. And that's exactly what happened. There was this bickering. There's a little bit of arguing. And in the middle of this context of what's happening here in John chapter 13, Jesus walks into this and he knows all of this is happening. Everybody's mad at each other. He knows what's happening. Have you ever been in a room when, when you just, it felt like it was intense and you had no reason that you knew why? You just walk in, you're like, nope, don't like that. I'm just going to go back out. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't like that. I don't like that feeling, right? That's exactly what Jesus did to here. He walks in the room and he goes, hey, how y'all doing? It don't, don't feel good in this room. I don't like the vibes, right? I don't like the vibes. He said, oh, did I, did I miss something? You know, what was very interesting to me is that Jesus walks into this room where everybody is sitting around a table. All of the disciples had walked right past that towel and basin. All of the disciples had walked right by it because, what, you know, in their culture, it was proper to make sure that you washed your feet before you sat down for dinner. In fact, a lot of times if you were at a dinner party, they would have a servant that would be there to take care of it for you. But in this case, it was just them. There was no servant. So it was just them. They walk in. And so when they started coming into this dinner party, they saw the towel and basin there and they thought, eh, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm too good. I'm a disciple. Do you not know? Did you not read my name tag? right? I'm a disciple, right? I'm not doing that. I'm not washing Thomas's feet. All he does is doubt. Just a doubter. Like I'm not washing Peter's feet. He's got a temper. He might kick me. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a, he's a kicker, right? I ain't washing nobody's feet. So they walk by and there might've even been this little thought inside of them to check and be like, maybe I ought to serve. Nobody's here to do that. Nah, somebody else should do it, right? Right? Let's let some of those disciples, nobody else knows their name, do it. Like Thaddeus, you know? Or like Bartholomew, right? Who is that? He don't have a book in the Bible, you know what I'm saying? Nobody knows about Bartholomew, right? Let him wash the feet, right? Let him do it, right? He's, a, he's not going to be the, on the big list, right? So they walk by, everybody walks by, they sit down, nobody serves. They're like, oh, everybody else, somebody else will get it. Nobody signed up on PCO to be the, the feet washer that day, Right? Nobody signed up on it. Know, somebody else will get it. Somebody else will got it. What's amazing to me is everybody is seating around the table. Jesus walks in and says, okay, I'll do it. I'll be that guy. I'll serve. It's so impactful to me. What I found is that an overflow life is a life of serving. Is a life of serving. Now, I have to clarify here. That doesn't just mean inside the four walls of the church. I'm not just trying to grow the dream team. I'm trying to grow his team, right? That's why one of our core values here is serving as our joy. 
Like it is literally, it is a joy that we get to serve others. It is a joy. Serving, this life of an overflow is a life of serving. You should live for the opportunity that I get to serve somebody else. You know, I, I, let me tell you a story. When I graduated uh, college, um, my first job out of college, the opportunity, I was interviewed at a church, a very large, very successful church doing music. And um, this church was like a legacy music, a legacy church when it comes to music, church music. Uh, they were contrib- uh, contributors in many, many albums. They hosted conferences with thousands and thousands of people. So I interview and I get the job. A side note here was that was actually my wife's home church where I met her and uh, somehow convinced her to marry me. And so praise God for that. Uh, but I interview and I get the job and, and uh, they, the, my boss uh, takes me to my office. It was the associate pastor and, and uh, I get this job and he takes me over to show me my office. And I, I was like, oh, y'all, I just graduated college and I got an office. What? Your boy done arrived, okay, right? Show it up. Hell ain't ready, huh? I walk in there showing me my office and it's shaped like an L. Like, man, there's so much room for activities, you know? Like, like I, I, this is fun, right? I got, man, this is great. The associate pastor showing me my office and he was like, okay, right over here is the bathroom. I'm like, oh, I got a bathroom in my office. I don't even have to go use the public bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got a bathroom in my office. This is crazy. It's like next up. And so this associate pastor is showing me my office in this bathroom. And he says, so this bathroom... Um, this is the pastor's bathroom. One of your responsibilities is to once a week to clean this bathroom, to clean the, the toilet, to clean the sink, to clean the shower. He said, now I don't, I, I don't want you to use this bathroom. You need to use the public restroom, but I need you once a week, I need you to clean this bathroom. And I was like, excuse me? Like I did not go to college so I could clean that toilet. They didn't teach me that none of it in college. I didn't, I skipped that class. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did not go to that class, right? And and, and so, but you know, the three, the the Enneagram three in me wanted to be a good role model, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a good role model. I'm gonna clean the bathroom, and I cleaned the bathroom. Did I not? I cleaned the bathroom for years. I cleaned the bathroom. In the middle of all of this, as I'm cleaning the bathroom once a week, sometimes twice a week. You know what happened in Jackson, Mississippi? Hurricane Katrina came through. God bless it. Hurricane Katrina came through. And, and um, if you don't know, I know Jackson is pretty far from the coast, but Hurricane Katrina is a big old, big old boy. You know what I'm saying? Like it came through and just wrecked Mississippi. We, just, we didn't have nothing. It was, we just had tents and trees before that. But uh, it, was just, it, was, it was wrecked tents and trees after that. But, you know, that came through. It came through. It, was just, it knocked the power out of everything. And, and uh, in fact, even in Jackson, Mississippi, power was out for a while. And, but uh, after a while, our church got power back when the church was one of the only things that had power and water in the entire area. And so guess what our church did? We're a good church, so we're gonna be a shelter. We're gonna shelter all these people and it's gonna be awesome. In fact, we were a hosting station for like the Cajun Navy. And the Cajun Navy would come up and they would like rescue people in New Orleans and then they'd come up and then they'd stay at our church and it'd be awesome, it was really cool. Uh, uh, but let me, can I tell you today, that guess which bathroom, uh, the only bathroom on campus had a shower? The one in my office, right? It was the one in my office, yep. Like I was the one in the, uh, in the office cleaning the shower when it was hot, when we didn't have power cleaning the shower 
every week, cleaning the shower. I don't know if you know this, but them Cajun Navy, you want to think about some dirty feet? Them Cajun Navy has some dirty feet, you know what I'm saying? Whoo, that hurricane, as my old pastor used to call it, a hurricane. A hurricane, they can, it can mix up some stuff, you know what I'm saying? You know, mix up some stuff. I've cleaned that bathroom for years. Can I tell you today, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but as I look back on it now, after cleaning that bathroom for years, today now I pastor a church where I still clean the bathroom. I'll even go and ki- I'll clean the kids' bathroom. Y'all, them kids don't aim. They just everywhere. Huh? They just, no abandoned. Huh? Little rip tater chip, you know what I mean? But I'll still go in there and I will clean the bathroom. Why? Because ultimately, I think my pastor knew something that I didn't. That if I did not learn how to serve in the insignificant and the small and the areas that, in the moments that nobody else wanted to, when it was stinky, when it was gross, when it was tough, how in the world would I serve in anything else? My pastor knew something that I didn't know. He knew that my true purpose would be found in the overflow of serving. It would be found in the overflow of serving. See, cleaning toilets wasn't my purpose, but it kept me humble enough so I could discover my purpose. He knew that the ministry and the cause of Christ goes forward through the overflow of serving. He knew that if I didn't understand the overflow of serving, I couldn't live out my purpose. I would not have the humility necessary to live out my purpose. How could I ever be a decent husband if I didn't understand the power of serving? How could I ever be a successful husband or a father if I didn't understand the value of serving? How could I be an example to my sons? How could I operate in the leadership that is Jesus style driven if I didn't understand the passion that Jesus had to serve? See, I didn't know I was gonna plant a church 20 years ago, but apparently maybe my pastor knew something that I didn't know because how could I ever plant and build a church or be a volunteer or be a part or build a life group or help people get connected to the cause of Christ if I didn't understand that it was all about serving? It's all about it. See, I didn't know it, but he did. And God knew. I want to ask you a simple question today. It's not a hard question, but it's a challenging question. The question for us is this. What is your heart beating for today? What is your heart beating for today? Is your heart beating for the cause of Christ? If if your heart is beating for the cause of Christ, I know that's a very churchy way of saying it, but if it is, it's probably beating to serve other people that are outside your world. That is one question about this whole thought of John chapter 13. How is our passion to serve? Is it beating to serve others? This is what it's all about. See, real quick in verse four, Jesus does a few things and I I believe he gives us several traits about the heart to serve that I wanna explain and I wanna break down. I'm gonna give you some context here. In verse four, he says this, there it says this. He got up, everybody say got up. I found it very, very interesting. He didn't just get up on the third day after resurrection when it was time for glory. He got up from the table when it was was time to serve. I found it very interesting. He took off his robe, 
wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. They're nasty, gringy, lowly, gross, ingrown toenails. I can go. Freckles. Freckle, I don't know what freckles are. I want to talk about that another time. I don't know. <laughs> huh? Wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Huh? Church, I, I got to tell you, if our life is beating for the cause of Christ, it will look very much like that. But if our life is beating for self, you'll find yourself living a very insulated and insular life. You will see none of that. Even when you're around people, because you're not living it out to fulfill the purpose. And most of the time, your purpose will be to serve other people in a certain way or fashion. I want to give you four traits of the overflow of serving today. And, and I'm going to move very quickly through these because I got I to gotta hurry. Um, and, and so... Uh, four traits of the overflow of serving. And um, so number one, it has the willingness to get involved, to get involved. And, and to have a heart to serve, you've got to be willing to get involved. I, I find it very interesting. He got up from the table. He got involved. He didn't stay back. He didn't walk in and go, you know, somebody else will get that. All right. You know what I'm learning is that there is a time to sit at the table, but then there is also a time to get up from the table. You know, us as Americans, we are very me and me central focused, and we are very good at sitting at the table. I find it very interesting that Jesus came in, sat down, could have, and nobody would have blamed him for sitting down, right? He was about to be crucified for all the world's sin. Could, nobody could blame him for sitting down. But he was the one that got up and chose to say, I will be the one to serve. Too many times in our lives, I feel like we pass up the opportunity to get up from the table because of spiritual apathy in our world. Spiritual apathy. We feel like, well, I, I, somebody else will get that. Somebody else will, hey, I I see a need, but, you know, somebody else is going to get that. Somebody else is going to handle that. You know, I find it very, very interesting um, when it comes to your purpose. I find so many people that want to, hey, I want purpose. I want God to give me my purpose. And it's a code, you know, it's a a big word in our culture today. I want purpose. I want design. I I want all of that. But then many times your purpose will be wrapped up in you getting your butt up from the table. And you're going, no, God, I don't want that. Huh? No, God, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. And many of you might, you might be just, so many people have come in and they've sat at the table because they were burnt out. You were burnt out. And, and maybe it was by people, maybe it was by a job, maybe it was by a previous church, maybe it was by a family member. You were burnt out and you sat at the table. And what happens is you go, feed me, feed me, give me my food. I want food. Give me, I, I, I want to drink. I'm going to give me all these things. And you go, well, if you don't get everything just right, like pastor, I'm just not getting fed. <laughs> or pastor, I just don't feel community. You know, I don't feel like I'm close with everybody. Well, no, because you come in, you get fed and you fed and you leave. You're not connecting with nobody. Huh? Treating it like a, a CC's pizza when it's supposed to be more like a Piccadilly. You know what I'm saying? But stay a while. Come on. Huh? Stay a while. Right? I find it very, very interesting 
that people will, people will come in and they will be hurt from other churches and they will sit down. And the most dangerous thing that I see in people is that instead of being burnt out, they sit down and they rust out because they don't wanna get up from the table. I don't wanna get burnt out again, pastor. I don't wanna get hurt again. Well, sometimes it just requires enough faith to get up from the table, to get involved, to get up from the table. Have you been at work and, and there's this project going on and you know that you could be really good at, probably more than everybody else that's working on it, that you're, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And then they choose other people to work on it and they're working on the project and it goes to a certain place and then it crosses this line. You're like, nope, this is it. I, that, that was my line. I'm getting involved. We're going to do this right. You know what I'm saying? Right? I'm going to do it. There's this line where you're like, I'm going to get involved. What if, like, what if we pulled this line back a little bit about where I'm going to get involved? And we start looking around opportunities around us for ways to get involved in people's lives. Like we start looking for ways to get involved. You know, it's the same thing with your kids. You know, I've learned that parenting is having to get up from where you were comfortably seated as many times as possible. That is what parenting is in one statement right there. And if those of you, those, this side have kids. Some of y'all over this side, you ain't get that yet. But like, I, I just, it is just constantly having to get up. And, and I, here's the thing. If you, can I preach something challenging to you? For some of you, you, you want that, that great relationship with your kids. Maybe for us to get that great relationship with our kids, we're going to have to get up from the table a little bit. Oh, honey, I, you know, we're going to do it later. It's a, we're going to do it later. You're going to do it later. You, you're just telling them to hope that they forget about it. Huh? That parenting, you want to be a great parent, it's going to require you to get up from your seat and serve them a little bit. To lay on the floor and play Legos with them a little bit. To remove your, your man card and play a little Barbie every now and then. Is that all right? Huh? Like to, to get involved with your kids. And to get him all, you want to be, you want that great relationship with your kids. I'm, I'm preaching. Can I be practical today? I'm trying to be where you're at today. You better, you better get involved with your kids. Some of you have some older kids. You need to pick them up and you need to go take them to Top Golf and just listen to them. Just let them talk. Let them talk about uh, the the latest TikTok trend that you don't care about, but it's what they care about right now. Let them talk to you. Right, that's how you're serving them. But people are dying for people to have a willingness to get involved. We're in a world that goes, ships passing in the night. What would happen if we as Christians got more intentional at just getting involved in each other's lives? Just get involved, step into somebody's life. I gotta move quickly. Number two, see where they're at. See beyond where they're at. That's a great trait in leadership. It's a great trait in the church. That see a, a church that sees people not just where they're at, not just in their problem, not just in their failure, not just in their issues, but believes that through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, they can go beyond where they're at and live out God's plan for their lives. Jesus took off his robe, made himself undignified. We talked about it two weeks ago in this series about how David took off his robe and danced in front of all Israel when the Ark of the Covenant came back into the city of David. And in fact, his wife came out and said, you're a moron. You have embarrassed the entire country. Huh? Did she not? Like you're, you just dumb, 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 dumb. Like God, you just made everybody look bad. Huh? Jesus does the same thing. 
takes off the robe, undistinguishes himself, lowers himself down. Why? Because he saw potential in them to be better than what they were. Many times it takes us having vision for somebody else's life. It requires you looking into the soul, sitting across from the table, sitting across from the living room, connecting with somebody on the phone saying, hey, I know you're in a tough time, but I believe in you. I know that finances might be tough. I know that Christmas is coming up and you don't know what you're gonna do about Christmas, but I want you to know that I love you and I believe in you. And you got people that are here. I I know that your job may not be what you wanna be right now, but I'm telling you, I'm believing with you. I'm helping you. We're gonna develop you. We're gonna help you find that next job, that next situation, that next career that aligns with your calling. You're connecting with people and you're seeing them farther beyond where they're at right now. Church, I gotta tell you, this is what we live for as the church. We're a church of next steps. A little bit behind the curtain, the reason why I live is not to preach great sermons. Ephesians 5 says the the, the goal of the pastor is to help equip the saints with the work of the ministry. What that means is you are supposed to do ministry. And my job is to prepare you. So Monday is supposed to be ministry. Well, pastor, I'm just serving coffee. You're doing it as a ministry. Oh, pastor, I'm just an accountant. Count them numbers for Jesus, baby. Huh? Huh? I'm just a realtor. You better be praying the Holy Spirit all through them houses before you speak in tongues before you speak that offer, all right? Huh? You know what I'm saying? But your job is to see people beyond where they're at right now. That's what our job is as Christians. That's what our role is. That's what Jesus did. Shouldn't we overflow with what Jesus did? We overflow that. I got to hurry. They going to get on to me today. All right, number three. Number three, number three, number three. I'm on pace, I'm on pace. Serves low, serves low to bring up. Serves low to bring up. The other thing that Jesus did was he stooped down. He took off his robe, he undistinguished himself. There was no separation. But then he lowered himself down low enough that he put everybody else above him. He put everybody else's needs in front of his. The Bible says that he took the towel, he wrapped it around himself, then he stooped and he got low. You know what that speaks of? Speaks of ultimate humility. Ultimate humility. He humbled himself. He washed the feet of the disciples. Many of them that would run away from him not long after. They would run away from him. But he knew that after the cross, after the resurrection, after the grace and mercy, that those feet that ran away from him would eventually carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. The feet that he was washing would eventually be the beautiful feet that are talked about later in the word that carry the gospel. There might even be people in this room and you're thinking, man, is there any chance for me? Is there even like hope? I just got to tell you, you are standing or sitting sitting right now in a church that believes in second chances. You're sitting in a church that believes in third chances and fourth chances and 29th chances and 52nd chances because we serve a God that his grace and mercy is greater than anything that we've ever done. But here's the thing. Here's what I want you to get. Before you clap, I want you to get this. You are in a church that does exactly what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did? It's spiritual leg day. Here's what, spiritual leg day, here's what he did. He said, I'm up here, I'm great. 
I'm going to lower myself down. And I'm stooping down low so I can lift up. Those disciples did, have, did not have the, the, the qualities to be in this role. But Jesus lowered himself under and said, I will wash your feet. Because if I don't get to wash your feet, you don't belong to me. So now do I lower myself below you and I will lift you up. He stooped low to bring them up. Church, can I tell you today that you are in a place that will look, look at the ones around you. You may feel like God doesn't love you, may not feel like anybody else loves you, but you are sitting in a place today full of people that will get down low like Jesus did and bring you up because, hey, his grace is greater. Sometimes serving looks like taking your name that's supposed to be up here. It's supposed to be all about me. It's supposed to be, hey, it's the holidays. Feed me my Christmas, my things, my stuff, my time, my bonus. And I'm going to put all these things and I'm going to lower them down. And I'm going to put them below my purpose. And I'm going to push my purpose forward with my blessings. It's a deep word. The last thing that we'll share from scripture here is that Jesus was willing to get messy to make a difference. How many of y'all know people are messy? I mean, no, not you, but everybody else. <laughs> right? Right? In fact, we're going to do an entire message series on relationships in February, and it's called Messy. Because I know we, we're some messy people, right? We messy. Jesus was willing to get all up in the mess to make a difference. It's going to reach people. We're going to reach people. We're going to serve. We're going to serve. Jesus was willing to get messy so he could make a difference in their life. And I got to tell you, church, I feel like they never forgot that. I feel like that was one of those moments that they look back and they, you know, they don't, it doesn't talk about it in the book of Acts. So I'm just going to give you my context version. Can you imagine all of the miracles that are happening with the disciples in, in the book of Acts and they're traveling around, they're, they're, they're ministering and all the, I mean, healings and they're casting out demons and all the things. Can you imagine they're like walking like, you remember that time Jesus washed our feet? Dude, that was crazy. What? Jesus washed my feet. I'm never going to wash those again. Like, huh? I believe that they remembered that. In fact, Peter was the first one. He says, he says Lord, don't do that. Don't wash my feet. Don't, you don't do that. Don't touch my feet. They nasty. Huh? That's the lesson he was, he was willing to stoop down so he could bring them up. That's the lesson that we're learning today. Maybe there are opportunities for you in the community. Maybe we need to refocus our holidays, not on us. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to reach out to people. You know, it was Jesus that said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I came to serve you. He showed that to his disciples. He, it says in Philippians that he took on the form of a servant, that after he served on the cross, after he served us through giving his life, he served us through his blessings. So many of us, we are blessed. But we have faced our blessings inward. When we do that, we can only live on the source of those blessings. But when we live on our blessings facing outward, 
Here's what I've learned about God is when we pour, God will always pour back in. We were designed with passion to serve others. We were designed to pour. When we truly identify the why behind our passions, we activate it with God's design in us. It actually begins to fill us up when we pour out. And that's a prayer that I pray every Sunday, church. I pray that every Sunday. Like our nursery and kids team, right now they're serving and and doing an incredible uh, job. And I, I pray that, Lord, touch the person that loves kids, that their cup would be filled when they pour out today. Lord, as they're serving other kids, Lord, pour them as they're pouring out, pour back into them. In fact, last week, a kids member came to us and a kids team member came to us and said, a kid wanted to pray over them in class. Beautiful. And this kid prayed a life-giving prayer right in that moment that was right speaking directly into their time and their life. Don't tell me that, that God can't use kids because there's no junior Holy Spirit. And so God is going to use those kids. I pray prayers like, God, let that production team member that's running a camera or running a board or running in our, in our productions, we got, uh, let them, as they're, they're focused on the details of our service, let them be filled to the brim as they're poured out. What happens many times is we pour our lives into something that won't pour back. We pour our lives into something that won't pour back and won't bring fulfillment. We hesitate to pour anymore because of it. Church, I'm looking at some people today that need to pour again. You need to pour again. There's blessing in the overflow. When you pour out, he will pour back. Can you go go back to verse, verse 17? Sorry, this is not in my notes. I want you to go back to verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. You know. God put that in your heart. He put it in your mind. He put it in your spirit. You know. You want the favor of God? You want your life to be blessed? You're saved, but you want to be blessed? I'm telling you, you better serve other people. Start living your life outside of yourself. Well, pastor, I've been, I've been, I've got church hurt from another place. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for anybody that hurt you. But I'm telling you, it's time. It's time to get up from the table. Make the move. Well, pastor, I'm not good enough. I don't feel like I can serve. I can't do it. You're burdened by your past to the point where you're willing to forfeit your future. I'm telling you, get up from the table. I'm challenging you to jump in. Today we started next step one, but after first service next week is next step two, you can jump in go for it. If you're not on a team, I'm telling you now is the time. It's not that we need you, it's that we need each other. We serve each other. It could be serving outside the house of God. Some of you could be you could be on the dream team, but you're, you're living a life that's just for you outside of this, this house. Notice that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples culturally because that was the place, it was the best place for him to serve told you this earlier, but your purpose will most likely be unwrapped in the cultural place for you to serve. Wherever you can serve outside of this house is probably going to be attached to your purpose somewhere, some, some way or some form. The culture and context uncovers your serve. Your serve might be in your business. Entrepreneurs, I know, have it figured out in the context of what serving looks like in their life, and they're just making money off of it. 
It might be in a friendship. It might be in your job. It might be at a stranger. This is challenging, but it might be at a Thanksgiving meal this week when you're going to be in a bunch of, in a room with a bunch of people that you don't agree with politically. You don't agree with when it comes to faith. Discovering, serving, and activating that brings blessing to your life. You know, in our church, until this year, we have actively had one large serve day. And part of our, uh, we would do it in July, and, and part of our vision that we presented in September is that starting in January, we'll be launching serve days every other month around our community. We're gonna serve, we're gonna get out, we're gonna find the people that, that need hope, that need encouragement. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. Are you thankful for that? We're gonna do that together. I want you to jump in with that. In fact, you can go to the Church Center app right now and there's a, a, a sign up. You just hit sign ups. There's a serve team. You can jump on a serve team. Today, we're gonna be in January. We're gonna be going out to the highways and byways. We're gonna feed the people that can't afford food. We're gonna clothe the people that can't afford clothes. We're gonna be there for people that don't, that have nobody. Because this is what Jesus has called us to do. Serving is not optional. It's a life of overflow. Would you stand with me? Napoleon once lost control of his horse and and a private jumping into the path of the horse took control of it. Napoleon then said, thank you, captain. With one word, Napoleon promoted the soldier from the rank of private to captain, but it was because the soldier put the general first. What if we put our general first? What if we started putting our general first with our lifestyle? our choices, with our iCals. You want that promotion? Get connected to God's vision for your life because God pours in when we pour out. It begins with serving. Let me pray over you today. Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for your word. God, I pray that you would bless every person here. God, that you would lift them up. Uh, Lord, that ultimately that your word right now would just expand inside of their heart. Lord, I thank you for your word that challenges us. It takes us to that, the, the new heights and, and new depths. But today, Lord, I, I, I pray over the person that feels like they're not good enough, good enough to serve or good enough to have any value. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with confidence that your word has, that your word has told us that you've blessed us all with, with individual gifts and talents and a purpose. Lord, I pray that you would help them to step into that and find that today. Lord, wherever that is at, us as your church, Lord, today we commit to step into serving. Whether it's at home, serving our families, serving our spouses, serving our, our friends, and serving our, our external family members, serving the ones that have walked away. Maybe it's some people in here that have just been attending Vibrant and, and they haven't jumped into serving. Lord, I, I, I speak a, a, a challenge over their heart, God. That you would challenge them from the inside to to jump in, God, to do what you want to do in their lives. 
Lord, I pray that you would open up those opportunities, God, as we make, God, make us aware as we're out and about in the highways and the byways, that you would make us aware of those opportunities to serve when we want to be all about us and our schedule and our family and all the things. God, I pray that you would make it, make us aware of what you're doing around us so that we would get up from the table, see people better than they are, stoop lower than where we should be to lift people up and be willing to get messy even if it inconveniences us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.